Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from our special guest. Bill's really become a papa to both Kelly and I and to this house and met and connected with him because of Papa Jack. It was the first time I, I, I met him. And um, in that verse that says, you came into a kingdom family, I've actually got access to more fathers than I have teachers. And it's been a good thing because Bill can teach, but he is a papa to so many and shares so many stories from Far East Russia to to Korea to Hawaii and to everywhere else. But he's a, he's a Texan. Uh, through and through here, and it's such an honor to be able to have him with us on this day to do it. So I want you guys to stand up with us and just give a warm welcome to Bill Byers. Wow. I don't make any sense today. praise team's fault because honestly I'm really inebriated I I just it something just began to fall on me it's still falling and uh, you know if I just start talking in tongues and speaking in tongues then we'll just start laying hands on people and forget any preaching and messages and stuff like that so uh, I'd like to thank everybody that has prayed for, for us. My, um, my wife, Faye, is not able to be with us this morning. I think she's watching online, either that or she's under tramadol uh, or oxycodone or something like that because she just had a, uh, on March 16th, she had her right hip replaced. And on May 25th, she had her left hip replaced. And so that's pretty tight together, those two things. So she's the bionic woman. Um, she's just not yet running at full speed, you know. And so um, I, I just, uh, I, I'm really thankful. So if you've prayed for us, thank you. And, and if you haven't, please, please, please do pray for us. And, 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 and just to throw this out here before uh, I get rolling on this is... Um, this this summer, I, this the early part of this year, I'm going to be off, off of speaking uh, for like four months of the first part of this year. So it's it's quite a challenge to us, but but the Lord has seen fit to open up doors. This year I'll be in um, uh, the Ivory Coast, um, and uh, with with Tim Taylor, and then uh, I'm also going to be in uh, Kenya. Um, with my my dear friends Brandon and Darnell Donnell, and uh, with a with a, uh, a leadership conference and uh, uh, children's children's time together, they've got 150 kids there, and I can't remember how many thousands of dollars they told me that they spend per month on on uh, formula. And and so I'll be with them, and then I'll also be also another trip in Nigeria. And in July, I'll be in Santiago, Chile, and uh, slip over the Andes Mountains bucket list drive through the Andes Mountains into uh, Mendoza, Argentina, and then pop over to Ar uh, Buenos Aires. And 
Um, and then um, back to Korea this year for the first time in a long time. And I'm praying that the Lord will open up. Uh, while I'm over there, I'm asking him to open up uh, the ability to get a visa to get back into Far East Russia. And so my year has just been topsy-turvy with, um, and I've got nothing but admiration and respect for caregivers and nurses. Dear Lord, you and strengthen you. You need it. Because I've been taking care of my wife for two, well, I'm very patient. Patient. <laughs> Sorry, honey, I'll pay for that later, I'm sure. Um, got your Bibles? That's good, because I left mine at Jay's house. And I guess maybe for people who are recording this, you can entitle this Schmorgesborg. Um, maybe. I think I'll, I can be more focused than that, but I'm going to try. Jesus, help me. I really feel good. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and I'm just going to start reading in verse 11. You know it well, but I'm, I'm going to get to one particular phrase here. In verse 16, he says, And he himself, Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's the equipping of the of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And that's God's knowledge about himself, not our knowledge about him. And to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, pay particular attention to this. From whom the whole body, Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part, that's, that's, that's you. That's me. That's us. Every part supplying every part working every part having having an intricate and very strategic love. that means honey you're really important you're really important say it over here you're really important you are extremely important. In fact, if I read that correctly, we can't do without you. That's how important you are. Every person. Every person. And so I want to speak to you this morning a little bit about the heart of the Father. 
And the reality of his strength, of his grace being made perfect, perhaps the greatest strength of God is manifested in weakness. That's a conundrum, isn't it? I mean, that's a head-scratcher, paradigm-shifter, neck-snapping, get-your-attention. That's a different statement, isn't it? God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, look, look with me in uh, 2, Corinthians thir- 2 Corinthians 13. This is, the, this is the problem when you lose your Bible. What does that say? I think it's verse 6, I think. I don't know. Oh, my. This is really small print. Oh, my. No, it's not. That's not the wrong one. I mean, it's not the Yeah, verse 4. For indeed, he was crucified because of weakness. Yet he lives by the power of God, for we too are weak in him, yet we will live with him by the power of God directed toward you. So Christ Jesus was crucified in weakness, and he was raised by the power of God. And we are also weak, but we live by the power of God. And if you think that you are not weak, then just hold on for a minute Because God has this way through life of revealing just how strong you think you are and you're going to find out you don't have it all put together. Is there anybody in the house that can testify with an amen? And, and And if you've got a hard time believing that, just wait till you're in the fast lane approaching 70. When you can't do what your mind, yeah, okay. And it's true. Listen, listen I want to read you a, a quote. This is by a, a gentleman that I'm, gonna re- I'm really looking forward to meeting this guy when I get to heaven. And his name was uh, uh, J. Rufus Mosley. And he says this, he says, Jesus redeems and makes best uses of even the worst past. He more than forgives us. He turns our liabilities into assets and our self-made hells into heaven. And no matter how badly we mess up life, when we turn the messer and the mess over to him, he unmesses the messer and makes an asset of the mess. I like that. I like that. I mean, that fits me. Dear Lord, he must have been thinking about me when he wrote that. Paul ran into this situation, and, and, and he, he sought the Lord three times, and, and that's three seasons of seeking, to remove this problem from his life. And uh, he left enough space between the lines that theologians have been conjecturing for centuries of what it was that he was having a hard time with, but hallelujah, he didn't tell them. And so he sought the Lord and he says, and the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So God, God has this, this he's, he's, he's kind of sneaky, you know. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but he really is. And, and he will use the seemingly weakest, worst vessel to do his greatest works. He will use people that just seemingly just stumble around and, and can't get anything right. I mean, just nothing right at all, right? Maybe they can't talk very well, like me. And, and maybe, maybe they, they don't look so well, like me. I need these. I'm not talking about my looks. You know, I, know, I know looks so good, you know, because I have to have glasses. But God seems to revel and enjoy using the most unlikely person to do the greatest things. I love this. L listen, listen. Jesus said this. He said, a bruised reed he will not break. And a smoking flax, he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory and in his name Gentiles will trust. And so he, he makes it clear right off the bat that he is intent on using the weakest vessels of all to bring forth and manifest his greatest glory. Listen to this, Hebrews. Hebrews, it says, in verse, chapter 4, verse 12, he says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly. That doesn't mean that you stick your chest out and say, and you think that you're the best thing since sliced bread. The, the, the phrase come boldly means to come transparently, hiding nothing. He's not afraid of your inabilities. He's not afraid of your mistakes in life. He's not afraid of anything. He's not afraid of anything. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain. We're going to get something. Mercy and we're going to find something. That's grace to help in time of need. 
So when you think that you are at your weakest moment, your most, the most, the, 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 the worst moment that you think that God could never use you, oh, honey, you're in the perfect place. You're in just the right condition for his glory to be manifested in your life. I can't tell you the amount of times that, that I've been sicker than a dog. I mean, just sicker than a dog. That's so sick that you throw up and then you lick it up. That's, that's how dogs are, right? I mean, you, you're just sick. You, don't, you're just, you, don't even, you can't even get your head up off the pillow kind of sick. And just a couple of weeks ago, I was that way. I had pneumonia. And, and, and it just knocked me down. I mean, it knocked me down in a hurry. And I was, and I was sicker than a dog. And here I am today. I don't know how many times that I've been sick like that in, in my life in ministry. And I just looked at my wife and I just said to her, just get me to the pulpit. Help me get in the car. Get, help me get dressed. Help me get in the car. And just help me to get in the pulpit. If you just get me there, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And I'm telling you that we proved that Time and time and time and time again. And no sooner would I get in behind the pulpit that the strength of the anointing would hit me. I leave the pulpit, then it just, blah. Like the bottom drops out. My body doesn't work the way it should work. But just get me to the pulpit. Get me to the place. I don't know where your pulpit is. Today, this one's mine. And if we take the understanding and if we take the, 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 the revelation that God's strength is made perfect in weakness and we start employing this in our hearts, in our lives, in our day-to-day -day life where we have our pulpits. Some pulpits could be a detective's desk. Some pulpits could be a banker's desk. Some pulpits could be a teacher's desk. Some pulpits could be a, a housewife's house. That's your pulpit. You just are waiting for your congregation to get home from work in the evening. Because you've got a sermon for him, right? That is good, isn't it? That word weaknesses has to do with every kind of... And the lack of strength and capacity to understand and to do great and glorious things. Yeah. How many times have you gotten up on a Monday morning and thought, oh man, I just... Yeah. Again? Here we are. Sickness of soul. Listen to this. I want to read you a short story. Dr. Frank Mayfield was a famous neurosurgeon. He, he made perhaps the greatest advancements in the 20th century for neurosurgery. And um, he was touring... Tewksbury Institute, 
Tewksbury Institute was a mental asylum in Tewksbury, Massachusetts. It started as a mental asylum. It still is partially a mental asylum thing, but it started as a mental institute, an insane asylum. And he was touring Tewksbury Institute in Tewksbury, Massachusetts, when on his way out, he accidentally collided with an elderly floor maid. And to cover the awkward moment, Dr. Mayfield started asking questions. How long have you worked here? I've worked here almost since the place opened, the maid replied. Well, what can you tell me about the history of this place, he asked. And she replied, I don't think I can tell you anything, but I could show you something. And with that, she took his hand, led him down to the basement under the oldest section of the building. And she pointed to one of what looked like small prison. Who's Annie, the doctor asked. Annie was a young girl who was brought in here because she was incorrigible. Nobody could do anything with her. She'd bite and scream and throw her food at people. The doctors and nurses couldn't even examine her or anything. I'd see them trying with her spitting and scratching at them. I was only a few years younger than her myself. And I used to think I sure would hate to be locked up in a cage like that. I wanted to help her, but I didn't have any idea what I could do. I mean, if the doctors and nurses couldn't help her, what could I, someone like me, do? And I didn't know what else to do, so I just baked her some brownies one night after work. The next day, I brought them in. I walked carefully to her cage and said, Annie, I baked these brownies just for you. I'm putting them right here on the floor, and you can come and get them if you want. And then I got out of there just as fast as I could because I was afraid she might throw them at me. But she didn't. She actually took the brownies and ate them. And after that, she was just a little bit nicer to me when I was around. And sometimes I'd talk to her. And once I even got her laughing. One of the nurses noticed this and she told the doctor and they asked me if I'd help them with Annie. And I said, I would if I could. So that's how it came about that every time they wanted to see Annie or examine her, I went into the cage first and explained and calmed her down and held her hand, which is how they discovered that Annie was almost blind. And after they, they'd been working with her for about a year, and it was tough sledding with Annie. The Perkins Institute for the Blind opened its doors, and they were able to help her. And she went on to study, and she became a teacher herself. And Annie came back to the Tewksbury Institute to visit and to see what she could do to help out. And at first, the director didn't say anything, and then he thought about a letter he'd just received. A man had written to him about his daughter, and she was absolutely unruly, almost like an animal. The father had been told that she was blind and deaf as well as deranged and he was at his wits end, but he didn't want to put her in an asylum. So he wrote the Institute to ask if they knew of anyone who would come to his house and work with his daughter. And that is how Annie Sullivan became the lifelong companion of Helen Keller. And when Helen Keller received the Nobel Prize, She was asked who had the greatest impact on her life, and she immediately answered, Annie Sullivan. But Annie said, no, Helen. The woman who had the greatest influence on both our lives was a floor, a floor maid at the Tewksbury Institute that gave me a plate of brownies. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. You may think that you have nothing that you can give, that you have nothing that you can say to anybody, and you have nothing that you can do to anybody. You may feel like you can't make an impact in anybody else's life. 
But here's a woman that was uneducated. In fact, this woman couldn't read or write. But she could make brownies. And the brownies that she made impacted a girl living in a cage that everybody thought could not be helped. And they just locked her up and locked her away. Only to find out that that woman was brilliant. Annie Sullivan was brilliant. Annie Sullivan broke through. She had the patience and the love and the compassion to break through Helen Keller's darkness of her blindness and of her deafness and of being a mute. And Annie Sullivan broke through that and she spelled out, she taught her the language with the formation of the letters in the hands. And she taught her, and, she, and, the, and the very first word that she taught her was water. And as soon as she established a vocabulary, the message, and this is not in the movie, by the way, and it's not even in many books, but it is in one of the books that, that Helen Keller wrote. The very first thing that Annie Sullivan got through to Helen Keller, the first communicable message was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she told Helen Keller about Jesus and Helen Keller answered her, and Helen Keller said to her, Oh, I know him. He comes and talks to me every day. No one, no one is beyond reaching. No one. The weakest vessel, the one that is the, the, the worst conditioned human being, the people that they would want to lock up and throw the key away, they can still be reached. If they're breathing, they can still be reached. And the King of glory can reach them, and he will often reach them through the most unsuspecting vessel to move. We were singing one of the, one of the, one of the sentences that we sang. You know, of course, that singing is exalted speech, don't you? It's, singing is speech in its highest form. That's why when we sing, it's really important that we sing with truth from our hearts and we actually mean what we're singing. It's not just a song off the top of our heads. But we sang something, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that we said something. We called forth for wildfire and come and burn up all of our idols. Did we, was that, is that right? Is that what we were singing? I thought so. Some of our idols are our own opinions. Some of our idols have become our past experiences. And that becomes the standard. Some people's idols are the, are the actual book called the Bible, and, they, and they, they hold to the Bible, and they so hold to the Bible, and nobody loves it any more than I do. And few people study it more than I do. I've got a good 50-year track record on that one. Catch me if you can. Throw down the gauntlet. 
But some people will exchange the written word and never come to meet the living word. And they will be so attached to the written word that they can't see the living word when he's standing right in front of them. And we need our idols burned up so that we can come like a little child so that we can come to him in our weaknesses so that his strength can be made perfect in our weaknesses. You are extremely important. But if you buy into the devil's lies that says you don't make a difference, you have canceled yourself. And you're not going to be effective. Go back to the word that says we come boldly before his throne of grace, obtaining mercy and finding grace to help in time of need. When is that? It's when I am in my altogether weakest condition. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I'm coming to you. And here I am. Just look at me. Look, 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 look at this mess. Look at this mess. Look at me. I just had a fight with my wife and, and, now, and now I'm going to church. Or worse, I just left church and I had a wife have a fight with my wife as soon as we got out the door. Anybody ever identify with that? The devil will come and see. See, you don't really have the real thing. You're a hypocrite. You're a liar. No, you're not. You're just a human being that has flaws, that has weaknesses. And sometimes the weaknesses that we have is weakness of our own soul. Take that. That's not your point of defeat, by the way. The for, the po your point of defeat is when you take the idea that you can fix yourself. That's right. <laughs> Dear Lord, have another lap around the mountain. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. And come to the reality that the... Many of us, I shouldn't say the rest of us, but many of us have come to the reality to, to realize, dear God in heaven, without you, I, I can't do anything of eternal value. I, I can't, I can't, would you just look at me? And when we come to God like that, I can't begin to describe to you the smile on the inside of his heart of satisfaction because now I've come to the place where I'm actually a candidate for grace and mercy. Does that make sense to y'all? We were talking. Pastor Jay and I were talking before service. Last night we were talking at a wonderful Mexican restaurant. Hallelujah. 
It was, it was wonderful. I, I enjoyed that meal all night long. Until breakfast came, and then I needed to be refilled. But we were talking about possessing the land, and here you are about to possess new land. Actually, you've got it possessed already. You just need to develop it, right? But possessing it means that you're going to come into the fullness of the purpose of that land. And when the children of Israel came into the land, the Lord changed the manifestation of His glory and of His leadership from a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud the glory cloud, the Shekinah glory of God. God changed his leadership form from Shekinah glory and Shekinah cloud, that, that wonderful pillar of fire and that wonderful pillar of cloud of his glory. He exchanged that form of leadership for the legs of men. Well, nobody got excited about that one. I mean, legs of men... Ain't too pretty. <laughs> Legs of men, human, flawed. And God chose to upgrade them from Shekinah glory to the necessity of faith to believe that his leadership was taking them into their promised land. And if you stop and think about it, there's four men at a time carried a box. Heavy box, by the way. Acacia wood is a hard, man, it is a, it's a dense wood. It's not, it's not, it's not balsa wood. And then you cover it with gold. And four guys are carrying it on, on two staves running through rings. And, and it's, it's not the way you want to carry it. It's God's way of carrying it. And all of a sudden, here's these four guys. And now for the first time in their life, they actually have to communicate with each other and they actually have to walk together and they actually have to carry each other's burdens and they actually have to actually support each other's weaknesses. And I'll bet you that there were some people following that thing. And oh, by the way, they, they could only follow it 2,000, they could only get close enough to it, was 2,000 meters. That's 3,000 feet. That's, that, that's 2,000 cubits, 3,000 feet. That's a little bit over half a mile they had to follow. Uh, they couldn't come closer than a half a mile to this thing. Why? I thought we were supposed to be near to the Lord. I thought we, we were supposed to be aspiring to come as close to Him as we possibly could. And then He tells us, okay, I'm going in, you follow, but you don't get any closer than 2,000 cubits. That was the word. Why? Why would He do such a thing as that? He gave them the answer. Because you've never been this way before. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk out in front of you and I'm going to use men to walk out in front of you to carry my presence. I'm going to use them and you're going to see them stumble. You're going to see them go up things. You're going to see them go down things. You're going to see them and wherever they go, you're going to be, it's going to be revealed to you what you're going to have to face when you get where they are. Wow. There's things out there that you've got to be careful of. There's mistakes that they're going to make that you're going to see. And how are you going to relate to them after you see them stumble? How are you going to relate to them when you see them go down into a hole? Where'd they go? Must be something out there that we need to be careful of when we get to where they are. Huh? 2,000 cubits. What does that mean? That means that you've got to give God room to move in your life. And you've got to give grace to those that are carrying the box. The anointing. That manifest presence of God. You've got to be, you've got to be gracious and merciful and understand that they're human beings too. Oh, bless God, they made a mistake. Uh. Cancel them. Fifty years I've been doing this. Not 50 minutes, not 50 hours, not 50 days, not 50 weeks, not 50 months, 50 years. I've been behind these things. I don't know anybody that's made more mistakes than me. I don't know anybody. Papa Jack was telling me one time he was sitting with a group of seminary students and he gave, them a, he gave them a time, and I, and I adopted this, by the way. He gave them a time so that they could ask him have questions, whatever they wanted to ask him after he taught. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to adopt if you've got time. And one of the students asked him, Mr. Taylor, what is the secret of your success? Bob Jack looked at the floor, ceiling, down the room, everybody's sitting there. The atmosphere's pregnant for this answer, right? Secret of success for this great man of God. And he said to the young man, well, son, I, I guess the secret of my success is that I got up one more time than I fell down. We're all weak. Every one of us. We're all human. Every one of us. We all have flaws. Every one of us. 
But flaws, when the light hits them just right, are really beautiful. Because my friend John Kuge was a jeweler all of his professional life, and he taught me about diamonds. And the flawless diamonds, well, maybe they're worth maybe just a little bit more than the flawed diamonds, but they're not nearly as pretty. Because it's the flawed diamonds that bring out the different aspects of light like nothing else. A little bit of a flaw in there. That's what they want. Just a little bit. The light hits it and it's thrown in all the different directions. And the way that it cut, it's cut, the way that it's polished, the way that it's set, everything works just right. Flawed human beings. God said to Paul, my grace, it's sufficient for you. Because my strength is going to be perfected in your weakness. And so how does that happen? We come to him. We come to him transparently with our flaws showing to him. And we open up everything to him and say, Lord, please, please wash me. Please cleanse me. Please forgive me. Please work a miracle inside of me. Burn up all of my idols. Correct all of the things that are wrong with me, the way that I think. Dear Lord, change. Please, please change the way that I think. Help me to change. Let's let's change the, the process thoughts. Change it all. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In earth. In earth. As it is in heaven so that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It first has to come in before it can come on. You with me? Won't you stand with me? A bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench Till he finishes his work. Hmm? He's going to finish his work. Faithful is he who has started a good work in you who also will finish it. He's going to finish it. Amen? I'd just like you to close your eyes and turn your face to heaven. Don't bow your head. Turn it right up to the Father. This is not a sobriety test. Well, maybe it is, kind (laughs) of. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that you, you're so wonderful to us. I thank you that your grace is sufficient today, here, now, right now, in this moment. Your grace is sufficient for me. I thank you that I can obtain mercy, and I can find grace because you opened up the way for me to come. And so I just come to you today and
I bring, I bring us all with this, this prayer, Lord. Work your work inside of our hearts. Fix our eyes on things above and not on the things of the earth. And work such grace inside of our hearts that we also become gracious and we also become merciful and we also become forgiving and we also engage with each other in love and that you remove all cancel culture out of the hearts and the minds of your people and we walk in the light of your love full of grace full of mercy fully engaged and if there's flaws you'll sort them out give us the grace to pray for our leadership give us the love to remain steadfast and trust you to move them under the anointing of your presence. And let us go forward and possess this land tonight and dedicate it unto you and everything that will, will, will come to pass on the land where we go tonight. Let today be a launching pad to step into the destiny that you have for Legacy Church in New Braunfels, Texas. And not just for New Braunfels, but for this whole region, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, seal this word inside of our hearts and let it be meditated upon until it becomes a sweetness to our souls, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynd.com.